Welcome to the Playing Injured Podcast, where we have conversations to help people turn their adversity into their advantage. Welcome to another episode of Playing Injured. I am I'm pretty pumped for this episode. Um, here on Saturday morning, my my guest is out in LA. Uh, she's a motivational speaker. She's a leadership coach, Dr. Lori Baker. Shinna, I appreciate you coming on. It is so great to be here, Josh. And I want to say hi to your audience. They are very lucky to have you as their host because you are something else. So uh, I'm really excited to. So share some good wisdom today and get everybody out there motivated. Yes. Yes. Motivation is key, especially in this time that we're in now. And you and I have had past talks and just talking to you after I got done talking to you, I was pumped. I was like, oh, my God, I need to do something. So I'm excited to give that effect to our audience. So with that being said, I want you to kind of tell the people who you are today and kind of um, how you spend your time. Um, in the world of, of, of Dr. Lori Baker Shinna. Well, you know, I've had I've had quite a journey. You know, I've I've done a lot of things in my life. You know, like I've had a lot of different careers, yeah. from newspapers to um, starting my own marketing business to becoming a professor of uh, journalism and public relations out here in LA at Cal State University Northridge, and um, then finally becoming a motivational speaker. And there's so many lessons that I learned by teaching young people and motivating people that I decided, you know what, it's time for me to do the same thing. And it took a bout of cancer to really push my butt into gear, Mm. um, into turning, like leaving a full-time university teaching job, a coveted one to say, you know what, I need to go out on the road and help people find joy and positivity. And it's interesting, the timing, because of any year that needs to happen, it's this year. It's been a tough year for all of us. And the thing that really turned me on about your podcast, Josh, is even the name Plain Injured. Mm-hmm. The fact is, we have to keep going no matter what. So the question is, how do you keep going in the face of adversity? How do you keep going when everything seems so negative? So I... What I do is I do a lot of coaching leaders and individuals um, to help them up their game, literally in the leadership realm. I have a doctorate in organizational leadership, so I really help people be better leaders, but also how to find joy. You know, you hear people popping off, you know, go go find joy, you know, go be positive, but (laughs) you just can't do that. You have to learn how to do that. But once you find that trick, you can find that the whole world is yours and you can really do what you want to do with your dreams. I love that. And and I can't wait to get into more of your story so we can show the people how much of an advantage you've gotten from the adversity that you faced in your life. So what I want to do is start because first of all, you're one of the most happiest people I've met, especially recording podcasts. So I want to start off in your childhood because you had some adversity there. Talk about your childhood and kind of what you faced along with your peers. I had a very tough childhood. Um, And I think it started, you know, I was bullied as a kid. And 
um, you know, there's always a one, like, I wouldn't say, I would, okay, I'll say ugly kid or kid that doesn't conform to the norms yep. of the rest. And you're the butt of, of everybody's hatred. So in elementary school, I was that kid. I had really buck teeth and I wore these cat glasses. By the way, this is in the sixties. So um, I'm, I'm aging myself, which is fine. I, I really embrace my age. Um, and I'm 62 now. Um, but then I was, it was the sixties and I was so bullied um, verbally. And also I was, I was like beat up a couple of times too, which is really weird because, you know, it was kind of lame, the people trying to beat me up, but whatever, you know, got getting hit here and there. Um, you could really feel it in dodgeball when they just were aiming for you. It is oh, yeah. interesting. So, um, so they even, my classmates even made up a song that they sang and they said it was called Howdy Go Fake. It was, it was a, a combination of gopher and my last name Baker. And they sang that. I mean, I was, it was horrific, wow. but I was fortunate enough that I had parents who said, you know, you're a wonderful person. You're good. You cannot listen to what other people say about you. And that mm. strength is what started me on a course of self-love and self-worth that so many people don't have that luxury. Yeah. So of course, you know, eventually the braces came off, the contacts came in and I was, you know, a, a very, very, basically a good looking kid, you know, into high school. But I, but those lessons of being bullied really stayed with me. And I love this story. So I went to my 30th high school reunion at a great place in, on the beach in, in near Malibu, in Malibu. And, you know, we're having a couple of martinis with my, my classmates. And this guy comes up to me. And he says, Lori, he goes, I have to apologize. I was so mean to you in elementary school. And I think about that all the time and I live it. And I am so sorry. And Josh, I looked at him and I thought, I don't even know who you are. I mm. literally did not remember him. But I didn't say that. I said, you know, I understand, you know, kids can be mean and, you know, whatever. But he was carrying this crap for 30 years. And I didn't even like, I didn't even give him a time of day. And wow. it just goes to show you that you are in control of how you react to things that are out of your control. And, and not listening to the haters is one of my top tips because they just, you have no idea what they're going through. And, you know, it's just awful. So that bullying really made me a stronger person because I let it make me strong. I didn't, mm -hmm. I did, I wasn't a victim of it, Josh. I became stronger because of it. Right. Right. So, and then on top of that, so that's when I was in elementary school, my mom died of uh, cancer when I was 12 wow. and she was 49. And in those days, 1970, no one talked about cancer. It was like, it was like a verboten. No one talked right. about it, forbidden. Right. So one day I woke up, no one told me she was sick and she was in the hospital and they said, your mom died. I didn't even know she was sick. They hid that from me. So there's no time wow. to say goodbye. No time. None of that. So that was really, really tough. And then I had two siblings, older siblings, both disabled. One had cerebral palsy and one was bipolar. And they have since passed too. So there was a lot of, lot of crap in my life. And luckily I had an amazing father who uh, was a sports fanatic too. So uh, <laughs> he used to take me Laker games at the, at the fabulous forum in 1964 where I got to see Will Chamberlain. So I'm a huge sports fan, which is a suck. But he was, but he's a great, he's a great guy. But, but all of that stuff, you know, can add up and all of our childhood trauma 
you know, and it took therapy. Therapy is huge. I'm a big person on therapy to really work on that. But at the end of the day, you have to decide, am I going to be a victim or am I going to be empowered? And that is the question that you have to ask yourself because we all get hit with crap. We all get it no matter what. And, you know, athletes in particular, one day you can be on the top of the world and the next day you can take a hit to a rib or to a leg and then your whole world is crushed. So what are you going to do? Are you going to be a victim of that? And you can say, oh, shit, the rest of my life, I'm going to be just, you know, shitty and miserable. Or are you going to say, you know what? This happened to me, but I'm going to figure out how to live with this and move forward. And that ability to move forward is so crucial as an athlete, as a professional, as a leader. That's where the rubber meets the road. That's where that that leadership and that personalities are how you would deal with adversity. Yes. A hundred percent. And, and that's why we came out with this podcast because we want to show people how can we get through the adversity? Because on the under, on the other end of adversity is something special. You have to get through it to see it though. And so through the adversity, Lori, it was crazy to see that you were able to, to start your own business. How, how through this tough childhood were you able to start a business at a well, young you know, age? I was 29. And it's funny because I am, um, you know, it's so interesting. I was a, a top person in my college, uh, in mm-hmm. Northridge. I was a, I'm a top journalism student. I was graduated top of my class. Right. And I was going to be this big newspaper person and go change the world. Right. So this is 1980. <clears throat> excuse me. And I get into the job as a reporter and a copy editor. And I realize, like right off the bat that I didn't like it at all. That what it, I thought was being, you know, in college, you know, I was a real rabble rouser. I was real radical. I took on Coors Beer at the time <clears throat> because they were discrimination in all of their, they were very huge discrimination against, against African-Americans. And I wrote these huge stories about them. And I was actually threatened by Coors to stop writing. I mean, I was wow. a real, a real <laughs> go get them, you know. So I always thought I can, I can be an activist, you know, I can be, you know, uh, and also women's, um, women's rights and all this stuff. And I was a real activist. This was the late seventies. You really, it was great. And then I get to the real world and you can't be an activist on a newspaper. It's a business and they need to make money. You know what I'm saying? And so it just, it was a wake up call, (laughs) but Josh, it was so upsetting because I spent four years learning how to be, a journalist. And then I realized that it wasn't what it was. Yeah. So I got to tell you, that's tough. It's like, it's like going to school for basketball and playing basketball and realizing that you're, you're not ready. You can't do the NBA. You know, so many, so many kids go to college and they, they, after doing something for four years or they get into that corporate job and they realize like, Whoa, this is not what I thought it was. I don't get the time that I thought I did, you know, uh, a doctor or a nurse or a lawyer, um, they get into their, their profession. They're like, Whoa, I don't even have any time for my personal life. This is not what I expected. No one prepares you. You know, I, as I taught, I've taught thousands of kids. And the one thing that nobody's prepared for is when you get out in the real world, how consuming a job is. Because when you go to mm-hmm. college, you know, or even, you know, out of high school, you've got time to play around during the day. You know, you've yep. got time to play around. <laughs> and when you go to a job, you got to wake up every, every morning at eight o'clock. 
and then in 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 the winter there's no before it gets light then you're in an office job all day and then by the time you get out there's no light and that was such a stressful thing and it's such a stressful thing for young people they don't realize how dramatic that is and then if yeah. you're in a job you don't like after doing all that work in college it's awful so, That's great. So go ahead. Go ahead. No, you Sorry. go ahead. I was, it was just, it was just a thought. It's like the decision that you make at 18 years old can be the decision that leads you to a life that you really don't want to live. Uh, and so it's great. So um pumped to hear how it went for you, but it's just crazy that at 18, we choose the direction of our life and we don't even have a clue what it's going to be like. Which, with relationships too, let me tell you. Yeah. <laughs> That's a whole other topic. <laughs> but Josh, seriously though, you are absolutely right, which is one of my things I always tell people is what you choose at 18 is not what you have to be at 29. Yes. No one tells you that either. And so your 20s are really the time to explore who you are and what you like and what you don't like. So after two years in the news, newspapers, I thought, this is not for me. So I ended up getting into marketing and public relations. And I really liked marketing and public relations because you could be an activist and you could choose to represent firms that you really believed in. Mm-hmm. And you didn't have to have that. You know, you, you could really be yourself. And so I worked for a couple of years with some big, big companies. And then I realized that I don't like to have a boss. <laughs> <laughs> I am not good at being micromanaged and I had really good discipline and I was a really good writer. So with a couple of mentors, I decided at age 29 that I'm going to go out on my own to start my own marketing and public relations business. And so, and it was in healthcare. So, you know, what I did, um, I was at such a low point in my last job, the the job I had before, and I don't want to name names, but the job I had before I went in my own business I was so beat up there that I wanted to be hit by a bus every day. I was so miserable. It was so bad. And no one had faith in me. And I started losing faith in myself. But luckily, I had a mentor who said to me, you've got to start your own business because you're so good. So this was 1987, and we were right in the middle of a recession. And I left a really good job. And Okay, before I did that, though, I spent probably a year I went and got my MBA in business, which I never thought I'd do, but I did. It was hard. I'm not a numbers person, but I made it through. I found God in my statistics class because if I figured if I passed that, there is a God. So that was good. But, you know, I, I, every, I, did, I started getting clients while I was working for that other full-time job. So I was working basically two jobs. And then there came a point where I had so much business that I could dump the full-time job and start my own job. So there, there comes a tipping point. So you, it's really a lot of work to start it, but you also have to have the ability to be, have, you know, feel that you can do it and have that self worth. So, so when I told my friends that I was going to leave this job and um, go start my own, they said that I was, they told me right to my face that I'm going to fail. They said, How, it's, we're in the middle of a recession. Nobody needs marketing people. You're going you're gonna to fail. So Josh, this is so important because when people tell you that, you have to say to yourself, okay, what does failure look like? What does it mean? So I thought, okay, what does it mean? Well, 
I'll, you know, if I can't feed myself, there's always social network programs. Yeah. I don't think I'm going to get cancer by trying to start my own business. I don't think I'm going to be lonely. Uh, like, what are the what's the worst thing that can happen? I'm not going to die. Right. The, if the if I fail, the worst thing that's going to happen is I'll have to go back and get another job. So, realizing what those fears are and realizing that's ridiculous. So, long story short, I I, I bought myself a computer. <laughs> this is 1987 with floppy disks, you know, and a fax machine, and um, and I started my own business. And I worked really hard and I loved it because every single hour that I worked was my hour. I wasn't working for anybody else. It was great. And I doubled my salary my first year out and I've never looked back. 33 years later, I still have this business, even though I don't do much marketing anymore. I do my leadership stuff, but I had it all the way through being a professor. I've just always had it. And it shows you, you cannot listen to the haters because they have no idea. I love it. I love it. And what's crazy is that a lot of times the haters are just um, projecting their beliefs of themselves onto you. So your friends telling you, you can't do that. It's like, no, you can't do that. I can't. You're just projecting what you can't do on me. Your your professor, the one who probably your your, uh, mentor is the one who said, hey, you need to start something because you can do it. He probably actually did it and had success in his life. So that's the person who you should listen to. Um, right. And those are the people so, you need to surround yourself with. Yes. When you think about that network of support that you bring into your world. When you, it, it, There was some line that you are the person who, who's of the five closest people to you. That's who you are. Yeah. So you have to start really curating your friends like you curate anything else in your life. Who are you going to hang with that has faith in you? Yeah. That's what's going to bring that positivity. Yeah, 100%, 100%. So, Lori, talk about after that journey, how did you get into teaching at UCLA? And then I want you to talk about the curveball that happened to you while you were at UCLA. Actually, it was Cal State Northridge. Cal State Northridge. Sorry, sorry. Not a problem. That's okay. I appreciate that you like the Bruins. (laughs) We had a wonderful basketball team there for a little while. Um, um, So, I, you know, it's interesting. This is such a good story, too. I was an emergency hire. Wow. I had never taught anything in my life. But when I was 31, they called me up and they said, could you teach a news writing class? And I thought, sure. (laughs) And this is really important for all you younger people, your college kids that, you know, kids, college guys and girls who are listening to this. You don't have to have a special uh, teaching credential to teach in college. You have to for high school, but there's no there's no certificate that you need. So when you have those really kind of crappy professors, it's because they didn't ever had any training and they didn't have to have anything. So anyways, I was so scared my first day that I was shaking and I had shaking so much that I had to sit down to take role. And I didn't tell anybody it was my first day, but I decided I'm going to give it a shot. And I found that I loved it. And I wasn't that great the first couple of years, but then I really became great. And I was doing that part-time. And then I started doing it full-time um, back in 2007. But I love, and I loved students. I loved empowering students to follow their dream because so many people, especially in LA, you know, especially in the entertainment business, everyone says, you know, there's so many people competing for jobs and, you know, you're never going to make it. Everyone hears, you're, everyone hears you're never going to make it. There's too much competition. And that's just not the case. 
And to hear, to have to, so I always empowered my students. This is what it takes. This is, and my students now are, my public relations students are working in all areas of entertainment and like they're all going to the CES, you know, convention over in Vegas. They're all into, you know, the whole tech stuff. And they, they introduced the mic, you know, the Xbox years ago, amazing stuff. And they've been on every red carpet, my students from, you know, the Oscars to the Grammys to the Emmys to BET awards, everything. Wow. And they said they couldn't do it because no one gave them the permission to do it. Mm. So that's why I got into teaching. And then, and then, so that was wonderful. And then of course, as everything happens in the world, something really came at me hard when I was 55 um, I had gone to the hospital like puking and, you know, usually when you puke, you feel better. I, I, I felt worse wow. and long, long story short. I was just like, I felt like I was dying. So I go to the hospital ER, not expecting anything. And they found a blockage in what is like the small bowel of you. Mm-hmm. And they didn't know what it was. And they thought it was just kind of scar tissue. So they uh, had an emergency surgery the next the next um, night. And in the morning, the doctor comes to me and he says, you've got cancer. And he was as surprised as anybody, because usually it's a very rare to have a tumor in your, your small bell. And he says to me, he says, I don't know what kind of cancer it is. And I was a medical writer. And I knew that there was cancer that would kill you in three weeks when you have a tumor in your stomach, or it's something that's treatable. So I had two days in a hospital bed to think about what is going to happen to me. And in that moment, all of the things that I taught my students and, and all about me really helped because I spent two hours maybe crying and like, uh, and then I realized I'm bored crying and, and I've always been a solution oriented person. What can I find positive in this? And, and Josh, I found a lot of things positive in the three week scenario. Because first of all, a lot of people, unfortunately, die immediately. Like if you get car crashes and, and things like that, or, or any kind of um, violence, you get shot, you're dead. And you don't have those three weeks. Well, three weeks is a gift because I can do a lot of phone calls. I can eat. I couldn't eat, unfortunately, with my son, but I could like, you know, just be with people. And I also could make some phone calls to people I needed some closure with, if you know what I mean. I could really speak my mind because I'll be gone. I needed to tell some people that. So, you know, I thought, you know, I'm going to make, I'm going to make this the best three weeks of my life. And I really felt that way. So long story short, two days later, I found out that I had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, which was treatable. And I, second, I got out of that hospital. I found the best cancer doctors in LA, which is great because LA has got a lot of good cancer doctors, city of hope, shout out, shout out there. And, um, and I got treatment and in those, in that day, I, I realized, and they, the problem with non-Hodgkin's, it'll come back. So that's something that's with me, but I don't like think about it a lot because you can't. And I realized, you know what? Life is short. I need to get this message of positivity out. So I'm going to become a motivational speaker and a leadership coach because I had this training in leadership. And again, people said to me, Lori, you know how many motivational speakers there are out there? You know how many people write books and this and that? And I said, I don't care. I don't care. I just care about what I can bring to the, to the, to the world. I don't care what my competition is. And so I quit my job as a university professor. And here I am talking to you 
having a successful six years. I mean, it's been slow, you know, I got slow and now it's getting better. And then of course the, you know, I speak to live audiences, you know, live, this was a dead audience. I speak in person <laughs> to people, right? And I love in person. I mean, I'm all over the place. I'm, it's just so much fun. I get speed off the audience. You know, I speak to hundreds of people, keynote speeches, and then COVID comes. I had seven gigs in April and May of last year, all canceled, right? Wow. So then again, what do you do? You either, are you a victim? Oh my God, I can't do anything. Or you figure out the solution. All right, we're going Zoom. We're going, you know, virtual. Figure out how to bring that energy to the virtual world and figure out topics that people really need to hear. Yes. So I did that and I ended up having a very busy year. And I, I'm super busy. Again, people need to hear my message even more even if it's through their computer and not, and not. So, so again, that whole concept, and I call it the solution shift yeah. of whatever anyone throws at you, don't be a victim, figure out how you can make it to the solution. I love to hear that. And, and I was just going to ask you about the solution shift. And if all of that would, if, if, if cancer wouldn't have happened, if all that wouldn't have happened to you, you know, you wouldn't be able to share that message of the solution shift. So talk about a few steps of, of the solution shift and how people can pivot to positive. Because in the moment when something like that happens to you, a lot of people, um, they become a victim um, or they become uh, very sad or they become defeated or they turn to, uh, um, you know, bad relationships, uh, bad substances they just turn to different vices to try to help them get through the pain instead of pivoting to the positive and trying to find how they can get past it to become better. Um, how have you found that within the solution shift and, and helping others get through their adversity? Well, I hope everyone's taking notes now because there's actually steps you can take to do that. That's my professor coming out now. Take notes. <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, it's so true, but I want everyone here listening to know that you're going to have crap happen to you. You yes. know, yes. it's all right. That's number one. It is going to happen. You know, mm -hmm. even at, you know, especially athletes, you know, you're not a machine and you're, if, even if you don't get horribly injured, you're going to get, uh, your knees are going to go or something's yep. going to go. And things that you plan that like promotions and things that you thought were going to happen yeah. and lifestyles that you thought you were going to lead are not going to happen. So no, so don't live in a dream world that is not realistic. I believe in living in a world of positivity, but be prepared for stuff, you know, and I didn't think that, and I don't have to have cancer or anything to get there either. Don't, I don't want anyone in the, in your listening today to have to think if they have to go through trauma to get here, don't do that. So that's really important and know that that's going to happen. So the three, first of all, the benefits of this before I start is that when you do the solution shift, you move from victim to empowered. You know that people who are always talking about their problems have that victim mentality. Oh, woe is me. And they get stuck, they get stuck in that problem. So people who are stuck, they have no power. So the solution shift moves you out of that victimhood into empowerment, all right? Mm. The second thing is it moves you into that darkness, you know, that darkness, that feeling of hopelessness into light. 
that there is hope, there is life after whatever has been thrown at you. And not only is there life, but there's a great life. Mm-hmm. And finally, it moves you, it helps you pivot to the positive because nobody ever moved forward being negative. If you think nobody. about the if you think about the greatest coaches in athletes, they're not, if something bad happens on the field or on the court, they're not saying, okay, we just screwed up. There's no use trying anymore. Can you imagine if a coach like went to the negative all the time? Like, you know, like, like every time they, 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 um, you know, the referee, they always blame the referee. I mean, it's like, you know, (laughs) you know, all that negativity. No, instead they, instead they, they pivot their, they pivot their team to the positive because that's all you can do. That's the only way to move forward. So staying in that negativity. So that's what this is all about. So the first yeah. thing you need to know, the first thing you need to do is realize that your realize your power. Your power is to choose to be happy every day. Mm. You wake up every morning with that choice. It's a conscious choice. You can either say, I'm going to have a crappy day or I'm going to have a good day. Now, for people who've survived cancer and injuries or life-threatening illnesses, just waking up is the win. And I just say, okay, I'm up. I won. Anything else that happens today is just frosting on the cake. Nothing's going to – because I'm here. But the fact that you wake up and say, I'm going to have a good day, no matter what, that brings you power that you have that conscious mindfulness to choose that positivity. Mm-hmm. Number two, you have to understand what you can't control and what you can't control. Mm. For example, if you have an athletic dream, but your body never is big enough or strong enough or, or fast enough for biological reasons, you know, to do that, no matter how hard you train, you know, and, and let's face it, you know, professional athletes, even college athletes, it's a, it's their, it's elite, right? Yes. So, you can't control that. You can control. So what can you control? But you can't control how hard you work out, how hard you really push your body, how, how strong you can be. But in the day, you have to figure out what you can control and what you can't. So many times things happen in your career that you can't control. A bad boss, you know, um, lousy colleagues, you know, choosing the wrong profession. There's some things that you just... It happened to you. So no way. And then don't spend your, your time worried about what you can't control. Work on what you can control. Mm-hmm. So if you are having a problem with your job, instead of bitching about it all the time, yeah. figure out what you can control. If you can't control your boss because he's a micromanager or she's, she's a negative person, you can control how you react to that by saying, you know what? I'm going to talk to my boss and say, you know, you know how to trust me. You need to trust me. I know what I'm doing. Making that, making that positive, you know, stepping up to the plate, make, becoming that can-do person, really working hard. That's what you have control over. And no, knowing those two things is the secret to staying positive. Because look, so many things in our world today, let's face it, Josh, are crazy and out of control. But yes. there are so many things that we have control over, how we react to them, how we step up to the plate, how we bring justice and, and, and justice back into our lives, how we control what we do. That's crucial. So 
I'm stuck at time. Any, 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 before I go on, any, uh, what are you thinking? What are you, uh, no, I'm, I'm sitting here just listening. I'm just like, okay, keep going, keep going, keep naming more things. <laughs> I keep naming more things because I believe, um, and all of, of, of what you're saying is that being able to really control what you can, I mean, it, it creates, uh, power in your life. Yes. Yes. It, it, it creates power in your life. Um, where you start to take extreme ownership of everything that you do. Um, and you believe that no matter what, you'll be able to get where you want to go. Um, and so, hey, let me control my effort. Let me control uh, the fact that I need to prep for this interview. Um, even before this, my webcam wasn't working. I'm like, oh, my God, you know, it's never not worked. But it ended up working. But I was like, hey, no matter what, I, I can't control it. I'm still prepared to have a great interview no matter what. So. Um, it's just different things in your life that, um, you know, Hey, you have a bad boss, um, you have a bad job. What can you do to, to control what you can? And, and now you're in a position of power instead of letting others control you, uh, and, and have power over your life. So everything you talk about is great. And so what I'm thinking is, is keep going, keep naming some things. Cause I'm, I'm learning a lot. The, the, those are real good observations. So it's really important to really, to, think about how that really resonates with you and how that empowers you. Right. So um, you've put, you've made a good point. You have got to really believe in yourself and you have to figure out how you want to show up in the world. And I call that creating your own leadership brand, because if you don't believe in yourself, no one's going to believe in you. So what does that take to believe in yourself and what it takes is you have to learn how to become internally motivated, not externally driven. Mm. You have to, the first step is to become, learn how to validate yourself internally and not depend on what other people think of you or what other people say or don't say about you, because you are never going to make everybody happy. You know, athletes, I always feel for them. If a kicker who, who misses a a, a kick, you know, everyone's going to be on their, on their um, ass about it, you know, whatever the reason that kicker can't, cannot internalize that and say, Oh my goodness, everyone thinks I'm bad. I'm bad. They need to realize they had a bad day. Learn from, learn from the mistakes. That's one of the big ones. Learn from your mistakes, put failure in perspective and move forward. So, you know, building yourself up and, and, and not listening to external people is as important as building your core when you're working out. You know, building your core physically is really important to your whole fitness regimen, right? Well, building your inner core is takes that is that much work and really listening to you and saying every morning to yourself, I can do this. That's what it takes to be positive. Even if every everyone else doesn't do that. And how do you do that? So I want everyone in this audience to start a strengths journal. Five things a day before you go to bed, figure out five things that you did well today, personally or professionally, and then figure out what did you, what were the um, things that you, what your character, what are your skills and traits that contributed to that success? Mm. And once you start really documenting your strengths, that's when you start building up that core. Because you need to show up as that positive can-do person. 
and people will follow you. Wow. You can't be negative. So that strength building up and then, you know, surround yourself with people who, who, who say, Josh, you know, you are an incredible podcaster. You've got a voice of silk. You really can do this stuff. Surround yourself with that. And you know what? If you've got haters in your life, I don't know why you're, you're with, they're with you. I don't understand why people keep those type of people in their life. Yeah. People who, you know, there's so many people, you know, n- not everyone likes me and that's okay. I mean, whatever. I don't worry about it. I have to continue doing what I do. And that's really, that's step one is building up your core, your internal self-esteem core and saying to yourself, look in the mirror every day, say, you know what? You, you know, you know, God put you here. You are, are really worthy of doing great things. Yeah. And so, wow. in fact, in fact, I have to read you this quote because it's my favorite quote that I that I um, tell everybody. And um, it's just it's really great. And it's how cool is it that the same God who created mountains and oceans and galaxies looked at you and thought the world needed one of you, too? Damn. Wow. <laughs> so you, when you start That's thinking huge. that way, then when you start thinking that way, you, you got to take responsibility. You've got to take ownership of the fact that you have something to contribute to the world. Wow. And you got to step up and do it right. Every wow. single person, every one of your listeners has something. And if you don't know what it is, then make it a point in 2021 to figure it out because you have something to share and you need to share it because Think about it. Even professional athletes, their their skills are not just for themselves. They're bringing entertainment and hope to countless people. You know, <laughs> was it Barkley said that he he thinks that all athletes should have the vaccination first. You know, he made some <laughs> point. But there's something to be said about he said it financially. But you know, the athletes are going out there every day, risking their lives with COVID to make other people happy. The yeah. fact that the Lakers went out there. And despite all the, the risk and the, all the sacrifice and the baseball teams too, you know, the Dodgers and all my LA centric life, but you know, the fact that they did that so we could be entertained. You think about that. It's just not to make money. You are doing something that makes other people happy. Happy. So it's yeah. not all about you, man. It's about yeah. what you can contribute, even as an athlete, even as a, uh, a sales professional, what are you doing? So that's number mm-hmm. one. Number two is fear. Fear keeps you stuck. Yeah. So you have just got to confront that fear and say, you know what? What am I afraid of? You have to be super honest with yourself. And that fear of failure. Failure is so shamed in our society. Failure is the only way you're going to learn. You have got to fall down. You have got to fall down. And then how you get up. Is how and what you learn from that failure. You know, I do fails every day. I laugh, I laugh. I have so many fails every day, but I've learned. And from that's how come I'm so happy because I figured out what I'm doing wrong, how I'm failing, and getting back on it. And it means that you cannot worry about what people think of you. You can't worry about that. That failure needs to be yours. And what can I learn from it? So that fear and figuring out the courage and resilience to move forward. What does it take? Listen, it takes courage just to wake up every day here. You know, mm-hmm. let's face it. We have, all of us have so many things. Mm-hmm. Dig into that courage. You have that courage. Own it, use it, and help it help, help, help it move you forward. So that's what you need to really confront. 
Think, write it down. What, what am I afraid of? With starting my own business, I what, I'm afraid I'm not going to have enough food on the table. What am I really afraid of? You know, and if people laugh at me, all right, they didn't even try. You know, people who sit there on the couch, you know, making fun of everybody in the in the in the world, they're not. What are they doing? Nothing. They're not doing anything. Not right. A, not a damn thing. Right. Wow. Excuse my language. So, you know, forget about them. So that's mm-hmm. that's that. And the third thing, you've got to stop procrastinating. Mm-hmm. Just do it. You know, just do, just do it. Even if it sucks, go out and do it. If you want to write a book, start writing. If you want to, you know, start a new sport, if you want to learn a musical instrument, if you want to do something, just start. Don't be a perfectionist. Don't, you know, the only one who really has to be perfectionists are surgeons and, and pilots. They need to be perfectionists. <laughs> 100%, 100%. But everything else, you know, do you want to be with someone who's perfect, Josh? I mean, they have the perfect family, the perfect job. you know, the perfect relationship. I mean, that would be the most boring person you'd ever want to take out for a drink. It's like, I wait five minutes and I, goodbye. (laughs) I want to hear about struggles and successes. Yeah. Struggle versus success. So let that perfectionism go and, and, you know, try your best, work hard, but, you know, no one bats a thousand. And if everybody bat a thousand, can you imagine how boring bat, you know, baseball would be if everybody hit their baskets. Can you yeah. imagine how boring basketball would be? Yeah. Oh my God. It'd be like, it'd be awful. Yeah. So celebrate who you are and, and forget about. It. So those three things, external validations holding you prisoner. So, you know, that internal validation is important. Look at fear and figure out what's behind that fear. And finally, stop procrastinating. This is 2021. Stop making excuses for why you're not moving forward. And get off your butt and figure out how to do it. If you don't know how to do it, find someone who knows how to do it. Find a mentor. Get Find people who can move you forward. And that's how you win. That's how you stay positive because every day you're investing in yourself. And that's kind of the bottom line. When you're investing in yourself, that's how you stay positive. Wow. Lord, you, you, you are dropping gems, jewels. Uh, any other any other thing that we could think of, but you are you are definitely giving me uh, in the audience a lot to to kind of meditate on and um, really write down. I know for myself, uh, writing down five things that I did well today and the traits and the characteristics that help that go well, um, and then as well as writing down some things that I that I fear. Obviously, we all have some fears. I know I do. Um, you know, and I know I, I can procrastinate as well, like many people do. So writing down that stuff could very could really be helpful to understand who I am and start exactly. to study myself. Because uh, I don't think many people really think about, hey, what characteristics do I think is a strength of mine? What am I really afraid of? Let me unwrap and and and, and unpack this fear. Uh, so that's something that I really want to take serious um, as far as writing down for sure. That self-awareness is crucial. You know, yeah. the, you find the most, the people who have it together are the people who are the most self-aware. If you think of yeah. your heroes and what they, not only what, what they stand for, like watching LeBron James and, and, and use his celebrity, for example, again, another Laker reference, sorry. <laughs> but, you know, uh, that just cracks me up. I'm so LA centric, but um, look at it. He not only does his thing for the Lakers, but he uses his, his, where he is his celebrity to do good 
because he's self-aware of who he is. He's more than a celebrity. He's more than an athlete. So that self-awareness is crucial. And that courage to look at your fears and write them down and then look at them and go, really? Is that what I'm afraid of? And that's very empowering. And finally, let's not forget gratitude. You need to be really grateful for everything that you have. When you focus on what you have versus what you don't have, that is empowering too. Mm. Wow. You know, wow. what do you have? And, you know, if you're up at night and uh, you can't sleep because you're worried about your job, I got the best hack. You, you use the alphabet to go through what you're grateful for. So A, what am I grateful for for A? All right. Apples or whatever. B, what are you, the bears. All right. That's your yep. B. That's I'm grateful the for the bears. I'm grateful I'm for the bears. Sh- <laughs> shout out for you. Um, C, you know, um, chocolate, you know, that kind of stuff. You go through it. What do you have in your life that makes you happy? So I do all that every day. And I'm telling you, that's how I stay positive. That's how I stay happy. Wow. Wow, Laura, I love that. I love that. Well, winding down, I, I do want to give you a chance to tell the people, where can they find you? Like, oh, my God, I love Lori. I want to hear more of her. I want to follow her. Uh, where where can they find you at? And and where can they continue to listen to you and, and kind of get inspired by you? Well, I have a website, LoriBakerShenna.com. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I'm on a couple of social networks, but you know, I do a lot of, I have a lot of good blogs on, um, that, and I do a lot of one-on-one coaching, which is really helpful. But if anyone has an organization that they, that they want some, or a, a company that they think could use someone who understands leadership and motivation, and they need a speaker, that is really my best thing is that really help groups motivated, you know, motivating groups from anywhere, from professional nonprofits. You know, I've done a lot of work in that area to really make everybody feel that they're, you know, to motivate. And uh, that leadership thing is really, so you can find me, you can get a hold of me, email me, say hi, you know, lauriebakershunna.com. That's the best way to find me. Okay, great. I, I'll definitely put that in our footnotes so people can take a look at it. And uh, man, I, I really enjoyed this podcast today. Um, you, you definitely gave me some things to, to meditate on food, food for thought. Now it's time for me to do the dishes and learn from it. Right. (laughs) So I appreciate you, Lori coming on and, uh, man, I I mean, I'm, I'm just blown away. I'm just blown away. Uh, me and you, we had a conversation last weekend that went for about an hour and it was very similar to this. I was like, man, I wish I would have recorded that. Uh, Cause you, you definitely gave me some things to think about. You just naturally are a motivator. Um, that's who you are just naturally. Uh, you're not really trying to do it. You just naturally are in a flow of, of that. So I, I really appreciate that. And, and I, um, you know, I thank you for, for coming on the podcast. Gosh, thanks for the opportunity. And your audience is amazing. And I say, you know, have a great, great year. Go get them, go own it. I love it. (laughs) Our brand design and strategy is by Tessa at fivefootstudios.com. You can also follow her on Instagram at fivefootstudios. Our music is by Lakey Inspired. Go ahead and subscribe so that you never miss an episode and click the five stars to give us a rating. And most importantly, keep playing injured.